Tuesday, November 25th, 2008, and this is Radio Wave. have 20 years, November 24th, 1988, that our ladies appeared in the field. And so it's a great joy for us to be with this evening with you as far as our show tonight and talking about the messages of our lady. Good evening, everyone, and thank you for joining us on tonight's broadcast of Radio Wave. Our host is a friend of Medjugorje, and tonight, during the next hour, He'll be discussing with us the message of Our Lady from the uh, November 25th today. And for those of you who are new to Radio Wave and to Medjugorje, on the 25th of every month, Our Lady gives a message for the world through Maria. So tonight as we begin this broadcast, we ask that you open your hearts in prayer. And then we turn Radio Wave over to our host, a friend of Medjugorje. And then the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Mary, we come to you to the joy of knowing that you come to our nation. You came to us on a special day, given a special sign, a special action 20 years ago tonight. Or rather, 20 years ago today. But tonight we celebrate and remember that in a special way. In Thanksgiving, we pray for all your intentions. We pray for what you want from us tonight. What you want to give to us in the message you gave today. Our Lady, Queen of Peace and Reconciliation. <clears throat> well, we have, of course, the 25th today, November 25th. And we have always that joy of knowing that Our Lady gave and connected us to the earth from heaven with her words, with profound meaning. And yet we have the business of life taken and distracting from us the things that we should be into that we're not. So tonight we're going to talk a little bit about Thanksgiving and Our Lady and what she told us today. And then those that are attacking the whole basis of truth, how they do that and why they do it and what's behind that. And so once we understand that, then we can realize what we have to do. You know, it's been said, and we've said it on the show, but Sung Tu, who was a Chinese warrior 2,300 years ago or so, wrote a book that's still studied in, in military academies. And he said that if you know yourself and you know your enemies, you'll win all your battles. If you know yourself but don't know your enemy, you'll win, 
You'll win one for everyone you lose. If you don't know yourself or your enemy, you'll lose everything that you set off to fight for. And so we have to understand this, that Our Lady has repeatedly spoken to us about warfare and about put on the armor of the rosary and pray, and, and we're ignorant. We have so many people who really don't realize the, the danger in the time we're in, and yet we have many people calling us right now and say, they're scared. We've had people crying calling us in the last few weeks. So it's important we be educated. It's not in the scriptures for that reason where the Israelites were told to teach their children, generation to generation, to teach them, or at least they'll, they'll lose who they are. And we have done that. We have a, a large segment of America and a large segment of the world population who really doesn't even understand the roots. You know, John Paul was chastising constantly Europe for forgetting its Christian roots. Why is that important, even if they're Christian today? It's because when you don't know your roots, it's like ship a ship on the water without a rudder. The wind's going to blow you any way it wants to. And the winds of evil now are blowing, especially in Europe. And our Christian nations or Christian roots that now doesn't even resemble that at all. And so we have these situations existing in the world. And you think everybody's talking about America and what's happening here. It's happening all over the world. We know people and we contact in contact with people. Everywhere is experiencing just the raining down of darkness right now. Uh, people are very, very concerned about everything. And so we see a combination of things coming together that when our ladies told Maria 2001, January 1st, that now when Satan's unchained, I want you to consecrate yourself to my heart and to our Jesus, my son. And so that was our protection to consecrate ourselves. At the same time, when she said that, we were all stunned. And what did our lady mean? We thought Satan had been released. And of course, we expected something to happen the next month. Nothing happened. But Satan has to formulate his plans, too. And now we see really an unleashing. We see the, the physical manifestation as unleashing of Satan. Everything, every institution, every, everything good is under attack. Uh, I've got a story here of a, of a German homeschool family, family who just seeks asylum in the U.S. because in, in Germany they're all being persecuted tremendously. Uh, it's a report that says a homeschool advocate is helping the German family who is seeking asylum in the United States. Mike Donnelly is the staff of attorneys from the Homeschool Legal Defense Association. Says in Germany there is great persecutions. He also notes many German family homeschools, or rather they homeschool in secret, and if they get caught, they can face fines into the thousands of dollars, lose their personal property, get thrown in jail, and even have the children taken from them. One family, according to Donnelly, has suffered so much persecution that the association is now helping them to seek asylum in the United States. The Renuki family was faced with thousands of dollars in fines and potential loss of their five children if they did not comply with the demands of German social workers who wanted to put their children in government-run schools. So they were able to get here to the United States, he explains. They relocated to East Tennessee, where they'd been warmly accepted by other homeschools in the areas rather homeschoolers. It just goes on to say that the German government, as long as you keep paying a couple thousand dollars for every citation, uh, you can continue homeschooling. 
And it's just like here we're starting to see regulation after regulation to bring you into compliance. They'll cost you so much, permit you so much that you'll have to give up on what it is your principle is. It could be something with the environment. It could be the use of your personal house. It could be the use of, of uh, your vehicles even. We're headed to a regulated society unlike any we've ever seen before. And it's happening all over the place. So there's other homeschool families that have followed suit with with uh, this family, and there's cases that the uh, legal defense fund is going to be fighting for them. But we see this happening everywhere. Just in just in England, another report that that we have this uh, national identity uh, identification card is planned, and people think, oh, well, this this stops terrorism, this stops this, this stops that. The terrorism that we suffer from incrementally here and there is far less dangerous than giving government that kind of power over everybody because government is without prayer so therefore it's neutral and what's neutral gravitates toward darkness and will be used against the people and what is darkness plan is always to persecute the church so we can see all the signs of the time lady talked about the signs of the times she's repeatedly tell us about look at the signs of the times it's the handwriting's on the wall about persecution uh, in just 24 months and even in this country, you can't even imagine where we might be. So people are very, very concerned, and right, rightfully so. And so we have, we have an aggression of evil that seems to be in the, in the driver's seat. And you have revisionists who are changing things and uh, changing the meaning of things. And uh, a Patty Lowe, who's out of Wisconsin, who's at at the University of Wisconsin, she uh, is one of these people who are revisionists. She changes things and makes you think and teach things and ch- changes it around to make it another meaning to the to what it's supposed to be. So I'm going to ask Joan to go ahead and read something that she just put out the day before yesterday about Thanksgiving to change it. And we want all kids to be taught this. Everything you know about the first Thanksgiving is wrong. Plymouth Rock, Pilgrims, Perseverance, Big Feast, Happy Indians Sharing in the Bounty. According to award-winning filmmaker Patti Lowe, it's all bunk, except maybe the part about eating turkey. Early settlers were so hungry, they ate about anything with fur or feathers. Otherwise, there is little connection between reality and the version of Thanksgiving events still taught in most schools. That point was hammered home Sunday by Lowe. A member of the Bad River Band of Lake Superior, Lowe was the keynote speaker at the third annual Interfaith Thanksgiving celebration held at Lakeview Lutheran Church on Madison's north side. Lowe said the problem with the traditional Thanksgiving story is that it plays to the American version of history where peace-loving English settlers tame the wilderness and survive attacks from the bloodthirsty Indians. It's the quintessential American holiday, she said. It involves escaping danger, surviving in a harsh environment, carving out a new life. Unfortunately, Lowe says, the whole Thanksgiving story is nothing but myth. In reality, the Indian tribes living along the eastern seaboard had been decimated by disease in the years preceding the storied landing at Plymouth Rock in 1620. 
an epidemic of bubonic plague, most likely brought to the New World by European fishermen in 1617, had killed an estimated 90% of the native population by the time the pilgrims landed in Massachusetts. What the settlers found were empty villages with crops still in the field because the Indians had either died or left, Lowe said, quoting a version of events laid out by author James Lowen. The more religious of the settlers, only 32 of the 102 who landed at Plymouth were actually pilgrims, thought the existing villages and cleared fields were a sign that God was providing for them. Other settlers took to digging up the graves of Indians, picking through the housewares, blankets, or weapons buried with the dead. So the first Thanksgiving in America was actually held by grave robbers, Lowe told the crowd of more than 200. Lowe challenged the audience to tell the correct version of events and think about what it means when they celebrate this Thursday with family or friends. We're not just talking about feel-good history, but history that reflects the truth, said Lowe, a longtime local TV anchor who serves as Associate Professor of Life Sciences Communications at UW-Madison. Lowe's appearance was the highlight of the afternoon-long event, which brought together a variety of groups from different religious faiths. It featured music by Michael Duran and The Crossing from the UW-Madison Campus Christian Center, along with Tibetan and Indian dance groups. Pastor Dean Kirst of the Lakeview Lutheran Church and Selena Fox of the Ch Circle Sanctuary near Barnview also gave presentations. So you see, these things come up, and they always end up with the university professor. She's an associate professor at this university. And that gives them a platform and a pulpit to sit there and spew out this trash, revisionism. You know, and the, the historical revisionism that takes place is a process by which historical fact is intentionally ignored, distorted, or misportrayed in order to maneuver public opinion. And this is what Patty just did. This is Patty Lowe. And they want to move public opinion toward a specific political agenda or philosophy. So a historical revisionist accompanies this goal by three different methods. They're ignoring the aspects of American history or its heritage, which they deem, they deem to be politically incorrect and overemphasizes those portions which they find acceptable. The second thing they do is vilifying. They defame or they slander. The historical figures who embrace a position they reject are three by concocting lying, concocting, which is lying, the appearance of widespread historical approval for a general unpopular social policy. So they come up with this and they say, teach your kids, tell everybody, reject the, the myth of Thanksgiving. Now, uh, some of our community people were meeting with the older guy today. He was 80 years old, farmer, and he, he's just so accepting of everything. His whole, they had a little political talk with them. Uh, they were looking at a piece of equipment, and they were just shocked. You know, it's, it's just a good old rural farmer, but the guy was completely off the wall with what his beliefs were as far as uh, the situation the country's going and just accepting what the news media and the ABC and CBS and all these, these, these giants who are revisionist on every newscast and everything they say and everything they teach. Uh, and so he's a good person, but you have good people so mis, uh, 
understanding the situations because of this kind of thing that we just read, Joan just read. And so, you know, we have, you know, it's time for trashing Thanksgiving. You have people trying to say not, they don't call it Thanksgiving, call it Turkey Day. All this wordplay, it's a very important method and step of then these people changing society. To sit there and accept where we say humankind instead of mankind, you're, you, you participate in that when you say humankind. Reject that. That's some of the first original steps a decade ago where they started changing things from, from mankind to humankind to he, she. Why do we have to say that? Mankind is everybody. It's not offensive. But they knew to cause division, they had to start segregating everything. He, she, boy, girl, teenager. You know, this is all, this is all bringing about a separate society. It's not inclusive. And that's the word they use is inclusive. It's not politically correct. It's, it's, it's politics that will bring about destruction. You know, and, and it's all in the guise of this diversity. All this is a lie. It's a lie from the devil. The first thing that's being used is wordplay. You know, and so we don't, we don't degrade our language. And, and uh, look what happened where you sleep. And I wrote extensively about this. You should reread that, those who've got the book. That Satan's move is to change the meaning of words. You change the meaning of words of what our forefathers founded in our nation's beginning or what they did at Plymouth Rock and what they might say and what you might read and what you might understand the words mean to what they might think they meant or believe that they did mean at that time, then you've got a reinterpretation. 1829, you look up the word religion. 2008, you look up the word religion. You've got two radically different definitions. 1829, or is it 27? 28. Right in that time, you have a clear, clear thinking of religion meant, you know, a, you know, the spirit and the God, the Father, the Almighty. Now it can mean Wicca. It can mean worship in a tree. It can religion can mean anything. So Satan has to degrade language because language is the word, and we've spoken about this before. The word is God. The word was made flesh, and in the beginning was the word. So it's the word that's under attack. And when you let these professors come up and change history without objecting to this or teaching your children, then they lose their rudder on their ship and they're going to be going where the winds of these, these trashing things like Thanksgiving. So what does she substantiate? Suppose she brings up facts and she changes this. Which she, she brings up this about the crops are already dead, but that's impossible. You know, because they went right into winter and the crops being there, they've been dead for three years, the, the, the Indians had. So how is that going to grow three years? So there's a lot of historical things and distortions that they change or they revise to present another story just to trash Thanksgiving because why they don't want to be there. They want it to be a myth. And so much has happened this way. You know, she said everything you know about Thanksgiving, you know, is wrong. It's false. So you think, well, I reject that. But a lot of people don't. They hear this they're confused. And they say, well... Maybe it's not, but I like being Thanksgiving. Most Christians would say, oh, okay, I, I don't know the facts. I'm not a professor like at a university. And what I'll do, I'll just go along with this. And, but I still love Thanksgiving. You know, our lady shocked us in 1988. We had asked her, because there were so many people coming, uh, and when she was appearing in the bedroom outside of her house, that she would appear outside. The answer was no, every day. So we quit asking. November 23rd, without us even realizing what was going on, Our Lady told Maria, tomorrow I'll appear outside. 
and I invite the public to come. She appeared that day. Maria stayed for three months, and we had apparitions every single day. She never went back outside again. We asked her after that, well, will you go back outside? No. Only one day did Our Lady choose to go outside, and even November 23rd, believe it or not, we were so wrapped up in the apparitions and so many thousands of people coming, we didn't realize November 24th, 1988, that day she said, I will go outside, I will appear outside to the public through Maria, not to the public appearing, but for the public to come. That day was Thanksgiving. So what does that say? Let's compare this Miss Lowe to the Holy Virgin Mary. She's saying it's a myth, it's trash, it's nothing, it's garbage. The white, the white people who came, that's what she, there's some of the verbiage she used. I looked on some other stuff. The white people who came on Plymouth came to plunder, plundered the graves of those who died of the bubonic plague. Don't take much of an IQ to reason this trash out that she puts out because why would anybody, knowing that the whole tribe of Indians were wiped out by some kind of disease, even if they didn't know it was bubonic plague, the last thing you're going to want to do, common sense tells you, dig up their grave. I mean, they came from Europe. They know what the bubonic plague was about. You know, it doesn't even make sense. So you can read these things, but, but believe it or not, I say that and you may humor at that, but people accept this stuff. They don't, they don't think. People are ignorant. They're, they're not thinking for themselves or letting other people think for them and say, well, yeah. I'm, I'm. And people get confused by these people. And she's just one of thousands and thousands of thousands of revisionists. They're changing the school textbooks. They're changing everything about us. So that's why people in the Midgard movement say, I feel more and more alone. Because we've got a growing element of society, culturally, throughout the world, not just in this country, again, that we can't even relate to. They just don't even have the, the thought process correctly, where they can sit there and say, oh, yeah, the, the pilgrims came over, they, were, they plundered grace. Well, anybody's thoughtful can sit there and realize, they're not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. Would you do that? You know, a whole tribe was wiped out, and those bodies you're going to be digging up, what you're going to expose yourself to? No, you're not. So we have to realize that we have these revisions very active. We'll come back. We'll talk a little bit more about that. As a parent, are you worried about what kind of society your children will live in? No matter how you structure your future, all is at risk. Money won't protect you. Position won't save you. Your children's future is nil. Our nation must change its direction. But what is stopping it? You are. It all depends on you. If you wonder how that can be, you won't after reading Look What Happened While You Were Sleeping, a couldn't-put-it-down book, thrilling, motivating, edge-of-the-seat reading that will change the way you live and change this nation. Look what happened while you were sleeping. Order on Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, or call 205-672-2000. You're listening to Radio Wave with a friend of Medjugorje. Oh, they
So you compare the sweetness of our Ave Maria to this Patty Lowe, who trashes Thanksgiving, and in three months of apparitions, one day Our Lady comes in that Thanksgiving day, and you see what's truth. Why would Our Lady do that? We didn't, we didn't even understand the significance at that moment when all that happened. We were so caught up in apparitions and everybody's conversion and beautiful things that Our Lady was doing to grasp the significance of, of what that meant until after Our Lady was gone. And even years later, we begin to unfold and realize this is a, this is a singular event for our nation itself. No other nation. That's our day, this Thursday coming up, to give thanksgiving to God the Father, just as the early pilgrims did in Plymouth for them being saved. And the Indians were a part of it. And it is historical fact. And all this is being changed. I understand even in Plymouth they're changing some of the signage up there because people are complaining and some of the, the, the radicals and revisionists want things changed. So they're having to give them equal time. It's not a matter, matter of fact anymore. It's about rights. Well, I want my right to sit there and say my truth, which is a lie. And all facts are always given with, with, uh, with any lie. Don't think there's not facts intertwined with it. They don't just tell out a lie. It's got facts intertwined with it to confuse the people. But you, you lay Our Lady there and coming on Thanksgiving Day and you, you lay it what this Miss Lowe says and what is truth? Our Lady's truth. Do you think she come and patronize something that's a myth? And I'm not saying you believe it is a myth, but I'm just showing you the contrast and how serious you should look at this because this is an assault against Our Lady. It's an assault against truth. And these people shouldn't be tolerated. This shouldn't be accepted. And yet, we're doing this over and over and over. Just like Germany, they can't even fight homeschooling. They haven't, drive, they haven't driven away. And the controls and the things that's happening has all been set up that, resemble, that, that comes back to Our Lady's message of August 2nd, 1981. You know, Satan has special plans to enslave you, or rather, uh, August 2nd, 1981, when a great struggle is about to unfold between my soul and Satan, human souls are at stake. With this statement, we see this whole thing being built of darkness right now to really capture man, to entrap him, and to grab his heart. And Our Lady completely tells us that we're in a, a special time. In November 22nd, 1981, she says, The world must find salvation while there is time. November 29, 1981. It is necessary for the world to be saved while there's still time. For it to pray strongly. May 2nd, 1982. I've come to call the world to conversion for the last time. We're in a very, very serious time. It's a time of decision. You have to decide for Christ or against them. You have to decide for Patty Lowe or for the Ave Maria, the Holy Virgin Mary. Which one are you going to decide for? Look at the truth. Lay it out. Lay it side by side. And don't just sit there. Our Lady says, I need you to be announcers of our messages. And she says, I want you to be active in the plan for the salvation of the world. Don't just sit there and say, well, I don't like what they said. or I'm just going to tune that out and go about my business. We're in a very, very serious time, a turbulent time. A dangerous time, a world without peace. And this is the message Our Lady gave today. Our Lady, Queen of Peace of Medjugorje's November 25th, 2008, monthly message to the world. Dear children, also today I call you, in this time of grace, 
to pray for little Jesus to be born in your heart. May he, who is peace itself, give peace to the entire world through you. Therefore, little children, pray without ceasing for this turbulent world without peace, so that you may become witnesses of peace for all. May hope begin to flow through your hearts as a river of grace. Thank you for having responded to my call. You know, there's a tendency to hear these messages and read them and contemplate them and think uh, many Christians, I s- sometimes I seem like Jabba the Hutt, where he's just this big blob of just come and feed me and got the messages and do my prayers. But the, the message is proactive. You know, become, and he says, you become witnesses of peace for all. You can't do that sitting in your couch. You know, you, how do you be a witness? Yes, you got to pray. Yes, you got to go to the Holy Mass. Yes, you have to do the things and fast and, and do sacrifice, renunciation, and penance, and all, all the things that require that. But that's the result in some kind of action. You know, are we to sit in and just let the mongrels take over our society? Those who are causing the turbulent war. And yes, we are to be witnesses to them. You know, God gives us traces of, of history of what he's done in the past. Don't think it was, it is not something of great significance that November 24th, 1988, Our Lady chose Thanksgiving Day to go out there and appear in, in that field. What happened two years before that is my wife and I, we consecrated that tree to Our Lady. That all who see it, see God in it. We don't even know why we said that. My wife even, even looked at me and told me later, what was that about? I said, I don't know. You know, but I felt moved by the Spirit to say exactly those words. I had no comprehension that the Mother of God would appear there a couple of years later. Looking back on it now gives me chills. You know, I didn't feel any great wind of movement or hear some proclamation. I mean, it just felt to say this prayer. It's just real simple. But God needed that to consecrate that spot because a lady later would come to that spot. And that means something for the future because now a lady comes back July 4, 2008, 20 years later, this past summer, and we consecrate this nation from this spot. On the same spot that she came to tell us to be thankful because of what this nation happened with Plymouth Rock 1620 or whatever that happened. I think it was 1620. You see the tie? God traces these things. These are real. It's very significant that that concentration took place in 86. And later in 1988, our Lady appears out there November 24th, and then later, many other apparitions, but later the, a significant historic thing, we gave in the presence of the Mother of God her apparition there at 10 o'clock at night, July 4th, our nation, to do something radical. I found myself last Friday, my wife and I always try to find a place when we travel to do the apparition rosary. I was at Virginia Beach at the military base, um, Fort Story, kneeling in front of a, cr- a cement cross. It's right on the beach. We did Apparition Rosie there, consecrating the July 4th, 2008 apparition to our nation because at that cross, what happened right there is 1607 is where the first English came and landed on this nation. From that spot, they put up a wooden cross. It's still marked today. 
the same spot. Now I see him at cross. They went on inland a little bit a few days later and found Jamestown. Of course, it's history from there where it happened in the country. But there again, the consecration in the field, two years before they came, November 24th, that had to happen. That had to happen because something else happened. That same spot, that whole coast, the whole Atlantic coast, that one spot is what I learned was something tremendous. I never knew it before until I visited this place and was praying there. So we did Apparition Rosary there. Later we found out, and just within the next hour, that George Washington was in New York, up the coast. The country was lost. It wasn't going to be, basically. The army was, was decimated, sick, lost a lot of casualties, and, and basically defeat. Cornwall was there in Yorktown and basically was waiting on his resupplies. And they had the ships inside the harbor right there. The French, in the meantime, came into the bay which is right there where that cross is, the same spot. This is about 180 years later. And the English come to give Cornwall their resupplies in the siege of Yorktown, which gave them the ability to win the Revolutionary War. The French fleet, sitting there at this spot where English settlers first came, Take six hours to maneuver. The English, with their rules, just like we are too, we're so regulated we can't even think anymore. You can't go to the post office get somebody to get you the mail because you've got to get so many regulations. The English had their rules that they had allowed them to formate, which is a very stupid thing to do. So they waited six hours. The French come out, contact them, and basically in the afternoon defeated the English. They had to sail on up toward New York. George Washington gets word of this, that Cornwall's not resupplied. He rushes down in the next few days to Yorktown fights them and defeats them and wins the Revolutionary War. Can you imagine, 180 years later, this consecrated spot that these pilgrims got off their boat after a grueling trip from England, put this wooden cross up there, gave this land to, our, to, to God, set Jesus' cross on it, and at the very same spot, our country and the Revolutionary War was won from that very spot right there and allowed us to win the Revolutionary War. It's amazing. It's beautiful to see these things unfold when you look at things from a biblical perspective. There is no way in God's green earth that this was an accident. The spot has God's traces on it from its origin to the cross being there to the French driving the English away and Washington coming down there an hour away to Yorktown and defeating them in the same region. So right there on the coast, right there at that spot, something of the actions of God took place. And so we have to look at everything in this way in a biblical, biblical view. Our Lady says and tells us today, pray without ceasing for this turbulent war without peace. And she wants us to be active. Witness, be witnesses of peace. That you may become the witness of peace for all. Why? Because all the world, here it is again. She replays these same words, June 25th, she said, in 2007, she said, I desire the conversion of the entire world, or rather God desires the conversion of the entire world. Here it is today. She says the same thing. Give peace to the entire world through you. Don't think your role is not important and don't think you're not job of the hut and sit there and don't have to do something. Don't be there, fat, lazy Christian. Get active. Find out what's going on. 
realize the blessings that God's given to us. Now, we have a lot of uh, fat in the church that needs to be cut out. We have a, a, I don't have it before me, I wish I did, but there was a priest in uh, some parish up north, where it was, is it in Michigan? Do y'all remember that, where it was? And he, do you remember where it was? I think that it was near Lansing. Is where it was. It's Lansing, Michigan, that's right. And he announced last Sunday from the pulpit that anybody who voted for Obama cannot receive communion, that they must go to confession or they eat and drink condemnation to themselves. Incredible. This priest isn't making something up. This priest isn't coming contriving something. He's just teaching what the teachers are supposed to teach. This priest is dead on. Because people are going to have to decide, am I in sin or am I not in sin? He said to knowingly vote for somebody who advocates murder, you have collaborated intrinsic with this intrinsic evil, and therefore you must confess. Now this priest, you can say I disagree with that, that's too harsh. No. It's church teaching. You don't have the option to agree or disagree. It's not an opinion. You cannot go to confession. You cannot receive the Eucharist, rather, without going to confession. When you've collaborated or participated, you know, you said, well, I, I had the thought of adultery, but I, I didn't carry that out. It's a sin. Jesus said that. It's a mortal sin when you entertain that. And so when you take a vote and you voted for something like that, it's going to force Catholics to sit there and say, wait a minute, is this priest off base? And once they start checking into it, they're going to realize, because we... People are ignorant. A lot of people don't realize what they voted for. And I'm not about endorsing a party, the Republicans or the Democrats. I'm about saying that the principles that this man Obama has is for murder. As a soul senator, he went for this. I want his salvation. I want him to be saved, born again, whatever he wants to do to do that, except Jesus Christ. But he doesn't. In fact, he doesn't even believe that Jesus is, is the only way to, to salvation. So you have Americans that are so ignorant of, of the situation because they're revisionist. Gary Bowers is a guy well-known in Washington who really monitors everything. We was, I was, my wife and I was with him and spoke to him for a little while in Washington, a little bit over a year ago, and he, he was... He was revealing things we never even heard of. You don't read in the paper. He's, he was saying that every night you need to realize what President Bush is going through. Every night you've got white vans unmarked running through neighborhoods across America with men huddled in the back of it with, with uh, Geiger counters, or with Geiger counters trying to detect uh, radiation. For nuclear warheads that may be placed someplace in the cities or, or in the suburbs. So this really goes on every night. And he told, he said many other things, but I'm saying this to show you how much he's in the know and talks to the people in, in, in Washington. But he, he, he talks about how disturbing it is that people are so ignorant of, of this presidential election, how many Americans 
don't really realize what, what, they, what they voted for. And we see that. We have people calling us up saying, well, you know, what, what's so bad? What, just research. Don't accept what the media is telling you. You go and be proactive and you look it up and see. The man voted single-handedly in a committee in Illinois as a state senator for against the Born Alive Act, which would give medical attention to a baby that was born alive in a botched abortion. And not only did he, he's voted against that, he actually says these words. I don't have it before me, but the words stunned me of what he, he's quoted as saying why he would vote against that. And he was the only one. Even pro-abortion people were for medical attention to these aborted babies who survived abortion. Even though the mother wanted to abort them, the pro-abortionists wouldn't even go that far. But Obama said that the danger, in essence, the danger of, of allowing this medical attention to be given would endanger the right of abortion through the nine-month term, and this is the quote, to kill the child. Now, I'm going to spell that. I want, I want you to hear what I said again. His words were K-I-L-L. Do you know what that spells? Kill. The. T-H-E. You know what that word spells? The. C-H-I-L-D. You know what that says? That word says? Child. Kill the child. That was his words. And we've got Catholics voting for him and wonder that maybe this is too harsh by this priest saying they shouldn't go there. Or this priest shouldn't go there, that he's gone way off base. Because some other Catholics did denounce this priest. And they have no right to do that. Because that's not his determination. This is the laws of the church. It's black and white. It's clear. And we need our bishops to get behind this. And you know what we'd have? We'd have a holier, smaller church, but a very, very powerful church, which from that foundation would grow into a worldwide movement of peace in this turbulent war world that Ali's asking for, to let Jesus be born in our heart and be strong again. We invite you to an experience of a lifetime. Come to the five-day annual retreat, December 8th through 12th, the five days of the reconciling of ourselves, our families, and our nation back to God, a prayerful gathering to implore the mercy of God upon our families and nation. America was given a beautiful gift on Thanksgiving Day, November 24, 1988. The Virgin Mary appeared in an open field, consecrating the spot by her heavenly visitation. She announced through the Medjugorje visionary Maria Lunetti she was here to help us and that she would intercede for you to God for all your intentions. Experience Our Lady. Experience Retreat. Experience Christmas. Experience a place fragranced by the Queen of the Angels herself and leave moved deep within your heart. With Our Lady appearing 27 years in Medjugorje, come to a special place she's visited, designated, and allow Our Lady to enlighten you in regard to God's plans to renew the face of the earth. Nay, 
even all of creation. For more information, call Caritas at 205-672-2000. You're listening to Radio Wave with a friend of Medjugorje. If you've never been to the field for our December 8th to the 12th event, and if you can't even come for those five days, you don't want to miss the 10th, the 11th, and the 12th, especially the 11th. Uh, if you can only come one day, that day, be here earlier in the day for that evening, because it's beautiful. If you've ever experienced Christmas, you will that night, I promise you. And I don't promise uh, very often, uh, because I want to carry that out, but it's a grace-filled night, and it's a night that you will feel baby Jesus in your heart. So come to that, no matter where you are or where you're listening at. Our Lady has a, a work cut out for us and for her. She's asked for our collaboration. She's told us we're in plans. We've got this whole revisionist thing confronting everything and twisting everything around. Uh, I saw a book this afternoon that we were going through some of the books to discard some of them. One's named Miss Manners. That's the national bestsellers. The New York Times says, Dear Miss Manners, this is a thank you note for writing such a marvelous book. Your wit and common sense puts dear old Abby and Emily to shame. Your book deserves to be read by everyone. Judith Martin, the book's written by. Big, thick book. Very virtuous book. Uh, Victorian dress on a woman. She's typing in a typewriter. And it's supposed to be teaching manners. Uh, we actually bought some for our school and and uh, just by its appearance, we never could use it because what's in the book is horrible, horrible. The acceptance of abomination, the acceptance of crudeness. And this is the definers of manners today. Uh, the whole appearance of the book and the way it's structured, the whole, the whole graphics is a revisionist to show you this is the definition of, of how people should have manners. Uh, what you can do on dates, and it's shocking, totally shocking. And so uh, the reason I had it here, because I kept it, because I was going to write about it one day and use some of his references, what I could use, because a lot of things I wouldn't even repeat in our newsletters or on the air. But we're being assaulted by every which way. Look what happened while you're sleeping, says why, that is. And we always have to go back to ourselves. Our lady's basis for our plans for renewal worlds to us. We can't Expect things to run Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday good or perfect or working for us or be fruitful for us if we're not living Sunday as the day of rest or Sunday as the day that we don't put people in position working for us. I don't want to get into much of that, but the Sabbath is not kept by the church. It's not kept. By and large, it's not kept. And this is the main reason that society is broken today. You fix this one commandment and everything else will fix itself. There's no way we're going to fix our situation. I just got some information in about um, <clears throat> that the $700 billion debt that 
Uh, by the way, I got a correction before we go too much in the show. The the it was not Lansing, Michigan. It was South Carolina, and it was at St. Mary's Church in Greenville, South Carolina. So look up that priest, St. Mary's Church in South Carolina, and pay tribute to him for doing the right thing. Support him. We need more priests that will do this, and we need bishops following that and start teaching what he's teaching, which is the church. We we all accept the, the ch- bishops of the church to be a good Catholic. You have to, but just teach. Teach what the church teaches and enforce what the church teaches. That's all we're asking. And what happens from doing things right, no matter what it costs, things correct is self-correcting. And this is the Sabbath. If you live that, the society will live it. It will self-correct all society. Everything that we see, all the assaults, the mismanners, this, this mislow and, and trash and Thanksgiving, all these things don't have the power when we live the commandments and become the light because they can't shine in that powerful light. They can overcome the light with their darkness now because we have something broken. And that's the Sabbath commandment. And I, I'm, I'm certain you fix this, you'll fix everything else. Our lady says live God's commandments. Yes, it starts with repentance. And repentance starts with living that we're not, we're not living that commandment. And once we do, our lady's told us one simple message. She says, monthly confession will be a cure for the West. But monthly confession means a properly formed conscience of what it is we need to confess. And like this preacher in South Carolina telling us people, you need to confess. We need to be showing Catholics and Christians, not just Catholics, that you've got a, you've got a problem in your society. You're carrying on on the, on the day of rest like it's, like it's no tomorrow, any other business day. If you don't understand that, if you don't believe it, look, read, look what happened while you're sleeping. It's a vital book that you have in your library, even if it's the only book you have, and even if you don't like reading. Which, by the way, we've just produced this in an audio book, which Riz is working on this now. I don't know where you are in this being available. How long would that be? It should be. I think we'll be in production uh, sometime next week. So for Christmas presents, get this book for all your family. Or if you're a trucker or you drive or you're a salesman, you're in a car a lot or you, or you can't read or you don't like to read, uh, this all be on CD format. We flew somebody in here from out of town, and, and uh, it's going to be a good good production. But it'll be the book. But anyway, the major part of that is about the Sabbath and why we're not winning our wars and what we do. So it's crucial we understand that. So I want to say that, that we have so many plans that I hear people referring to, and, and uh, my wife was just saying about the day after Thanksgiving, the big shopping day is being referred to as Black Friday. I don't recall ever being hurt, being spoken of like that. Uh, but we've got such an economic problem, and I was going on a uh, thing I got interrupted about, correctness about the priest, but about the $700 billion bailout, that we got information today that, that the end of what this is going to cost is $7.4 trillion. The government's ready to give that, that all products in America, if you bought everything and that everybody owned, is not but half that, three, three and a quarter trillion dollars. There's no way this economy is going to hold up. There's no way we're going to make it. It's just not going to happen. It's an impossibility to be doing this kind of bailouts and this kind of money. You need to get your, your, your boots on. You need to start thinking. You know, the whole thing is the banks won't loan money or they won't, nobody's, nobody's getting the money to loan out. They've got to get the banks going. They've got to start letting 
money be loaned out. Well, what's happened, people's tightening up. They realize, hey, I'm in debt. I shouldn't be borrowing. I'm amazed that the philosophy, philosophy people had just 30, 40 years ago to, to get your house, get it paid for, get your car paid for, and be done. And when you retire, don't have house notes. People buy new houses when they retire now. And instead of trying to make investments to make money in the stock markets, engineers and disc diggers and everybody else, you saved and bought you some land and had your money in your, your, your home place, your homestead. And you're satisfied to get the homestead built and that land, and that land paid for and your car paid for. And, and not even had, it was worth more than money in the bank. And have your little garden, have your few animals, whatever you needed to have. We got people send. I got a letter. I meant to do the last three or four shows, but it's a it's a feedback. Somebody wrote from Wisconsin. Says I love listening to Radio Wave talks, but one thing bothers me. You're privileged to be able to live where you do, living the rural farm life you speak of. But what of us who can't afford to go out and buy five acres of land and build a house and a barn and live off the land and quit our, our city jobs? How do we find the way to live this way? Well, you start with prayer. I'm no different than you are. I moved out of the city. I was raised in the city. Anybody can downsize. Whatever happened to building a house one room at a time? Are you willing to sacrifice? Are you willing to downsize and go into something small? I lived in a trailer for eight years. I never felt underprivileged or impoverished for that because I was building my house one stick at a time, one room at a time. It took eight years to build. When do you start that? Eight years from now? You start that today. Don't think this economy is going to do and continue the way it's going. It is, there, it is crazy what's happening right now. It's, it's ludicrous. There's no way, absolutely no way this is going to happen. And there's no way for our lady to come 27 years to the earth every single day without what I've said before, an exorcistic power to purify this game of usury the banks have been doing and the industry and everything and the corporations are doing. We've lost our way. You say, well, they've lost the way. Yeah, they lost the way because we lost our way. We lost the Sabbath and they've gained everything else from there. And, the, and, and we're headed for, for a terrible crash. So our lady's not telling us to, to be in prayer, to change the direction of our life, to live peace. And, and where do you live peace? How do you, how do you go and find this peace? How do you be a witness of peace? You know, first you have to get your, your act together. And you do need to base your life in, in the messages. And you can't, Go out and just teach everybody else about the message. First, you just got to be it's like St. Paul. St. Paul got blinded, became a Christian, and didn't do anything but learn how to be a Christian for at least eight years. We know eight years for sure. Possibly 11 years. That's our walk here. But what I'm saying is you, you, everybody can get in a position like this person here that wrote, Pat, from, from Wisconsin. You can go get four or five acres. You know, maybe not everybody can, but you can find somebody that's got something and you can you can look fine. Pray for it. Our lady give it to you. And yeah, you know, this this murderer and I'm saying just what by his own words that we have just put in office and people say it's harsh. I want his conversion. I'm interested in his soul. But I know he's an enemy to everything we stand for and we're to pray for our enemies. So, no, it's not an excuse not to pray for him. We want his conversion. But his ideology and how he's imprinted. It's so ingrained that even through conversion, there's such a mix up there, that we're dealing with a serious crisis now. Where we're headed, if other people can stop what his actions are, maybe so. But we already see even appointees as the same ideologies, the same path. 
you know, the fairness doctrine, all, all those voices out there, the, the Christian radio shows, this show here is in danger of being blocked from being on the air, even within the next hundred days. They believe that there's going to be action in the first hundred days to impose the fairness doctrine, which means that the views of those who are on the, on, on the left slant or liberal slant, who don't want God's principles or his ways or his uh, commandments, have to be given equal weight. Well, they've tried their own shows. They've done um, uh, their talk shows. They've done these programs, but they can't stay on the air because nobody listens to them. Basically, we're a conservative nation, even some of the liberals. So we've got this situation that we're, we're faced with, that, that we're in serious, serious crisis, and you need to know your enemy. You need to know what they think about. I remember the um, message Our Lady gave back in 1995, so that's 13 years ago. When she said, pray for peace so that as soon as possible, a time of peace which my heart waits impatiently for may reign. So she's saying she, waited, she was waiting impatiently for this time of peace. And we're all thinking back then, if we just make it to the year 2000, you know, the, the millennium will change and that will be the end of the century. And then what happens? Satan is unchained. And so... My question is, is I feel like I'm just not getting it. Here our lady comes, and um, in this message today, the first message after this big election, this, this election that had worldwide interest, and really it's a pretty upbeat message. She says that peace is going to come through us. Peace to the entire world is going to come through us. She says that we are going to be witnesses of peace for all, so that for the whole world. She says to, she desires that hope would flow through our hearts as a river of grace. And I would say that's exactly the opposite of what everybody's feeling. Everybody's feeling this darkness starting to come over us. We don't have a voice. We are being, we feel this oppression coming over us. How in the world is all this going to happen where we're going to witness this peace? And I just feel like I'm, I'm not uh, understanding. I don't have the right mentality of what our lady's saying when back 13 years ago she's saying she's impatient for this time of peace. We're all impatient for it. We just don't know how to get there. Well, we're not going to get there. It's not going to happen to us. What we have to do as individuals is begin to live the commandments. Fully, not nine of them, but ten of them. That includes the Sabbath commandment. That's the first one to correct. The others we can polish off and do better at them. We're going to fail them. It's not a matter of failing the Sabbath commandment even after you recognize it. It's a matter of recognizing that we're in sin. That when we go pay for somebody else at a restaurant to cook, cook and prepare and wait on us at a restaurant on Sunday, you're in sin. It's a violation of commandment. I'm not going to debate you on it. It's black and white. I don't have to. Truth is truth. It doesn't need to be defended. It needs to be protected. I say that protected. But truth never needs to be defended. Truth is truth. There's no way to defend truth. It's, it's truth. So I protect it by me living that and that I won't do that. And people see that. Why won't you do that? That's what I just explained. And that one to the other starts thinking about it and they start praying about it and they realize it. That's what we have to do. Okay. We're not going to bring about this peace. And I'm not giving a message tonight of, of loss of hope. It's, it's of hope. How do you fix all these things and all this economy and all this Black Friday coming up and all, all these things? That, that, there's no way to fix it. 
it's humorous to read some of the things that are coming out. We're going to do this, and we're going to humble. What was the things I just read that um, some of the new appointees said? We're going to submit this economy. We're going to bring it into submission. <laughs> Can you imagine the, the power of the American economy, that, that, that man's arrogance is that he's going to bring it into submission, that when it's got a little cold, that the rest of the world has pneumonia because of America? And you're going to bring in a submission by throwing a few billion dollars at it or a few trillion dollars? It it can't be controlled. And it won't be controlled. And it's going to fall. It's going to happen. And the best thing you can do is live the commandments first, not be desperation and run doing this. You know, know, to be be somebody trying to work on your investments is, is thing. Work on your way of life. Have your little homestead. That's what you invest in. Put your little windmill up that you can pump water into your kitchen sink. You know, that's peace. That's what will flow out to others. That's why people come here in peace, because we've been doing that. Not because we're saving ourselves. It's because the way we live. At 2001 or 2000, Y2K, we didn't hoard anything. We didn't even think about trying to save ourselves or store food. We, we were incited to go quicker to living independently of the, the direction of society but it's why we have our own animals why we do this stuff is to live that we can be more free as missionaries to exercise our work to the message and spread them to the people we we were called to serve and our discipleship as apostles because our lady calls us apostles we are apostles you can be too if, she, if you want that so this message is not one of like a hope but one that it will happen and how's it going to happen it's going to crash. People will not let go of the luxuries and will not let go of the comforts. They will not let go of their, the, the culture as is because it's too easy to do it. It's too easy to have a cell phone. My wife and I being out of town, we had to rent a car. They, they, they said, get this GPS. It's just $13 with your rental car. I don't want it. Well, you don't know you're around here. You can use this GPS. I said, I don't want that. And he says, well, if you get this GPS, it's going to help you. Look, you're going to be going here. You're going to do this. Where are you going to go? Oh, you need this GPS. I said, look, if I start using that thing, I won't know how to read a map. You know, I can still read a map. A lot of people can't now. But, but you see, people are so ready to go into conveniences and, and to depend on these things. And it's dangerous. It's very dangerous to go that way. And we just accept anything that comes along because... I've got the money to do it, or it's a new technology. Reject these things because a lady wants to live a simple life. You know, I don't want to feel like a robot. Turn right here, go 100 yards, turn left at the station. You know, what, what I need a GPS telling me every move to make. You know, we have too many people telling us what to do anyway. I want some freedom and quiet in the car. So we need to realize that, that we need to simplify our life and don't accept the direction the culture's going. Be in resistance to that. That means to do exactly what it says. Change the direction of your life. What is everybody's life? Where is everybody's life going to? The way culture's going. And she's telling you, be counterculture. Don't follow culture. Follow me. Listen to me. Uh, a lady gave a message. If I can find it real quick. I know we're running out of time. We might want to go 30 more minutes. There's still a lot of ground we can cover with this tonight. What time is it? We get, maybe we can go more 30 more extra minutes. Um, our lady speaks of, well, 
she says, March 18, 1996, it is a time of decision. March 18, 2006, only with interior renunciation will you recognize God's love and the signs of the times you live. What are the signs of the times? Think about that, people. January 25, 1993. May there only dwell love from God, or rather love of God for your neighbor. Thus, only thus shall you be able to discern the signs of the time. I will guide you into a new time, a time which God gives you as a grace so that you may get to know him more. I've talked about speaking in Brittany, France. The only place I went to France where people were godly. Why? Because they were, they were working the soil. They were agrarian people. They were close to creation. They were in nature all day long. So these people are where Our Lady says, I guide you into a new time of time, which God gives you his grace, so that you may get to know him more. In, generation, in Genesis, it says that by the sweat of your brow shall you eat. You can't get away from that. We're a paper society. We're creating paper. If you really are thoughtful and you're in prayer, you can't go but so high on that and so long on that before that collapses and the paper burns up. You come back to a labor society because it's the natural way. It's the way God ordained it. And no matter how much you escape that and no matter how long that period is, it will end and come back to the natural order of the way God established things. By the sweat of your brow shall you eat. And we're headed there. So Our Lady tells us that if we're headed to that situation, she says, about uh, very frequently, she says, February 25th, 2000. This is the time God gives you. Use this time. What? To do what? She's, well, before that, she says, wake up from your sleep of unbelief and sin. First of all, correct the Sabbath. Start living God's commandments. Use this time well to do what? To start realizing, hey, the economy is going. What do I need to do to safeguard and protect my family? What does my investment need to be? In stock markets or in a homestead? In, in, in some investment hedge funds or into some land where I can let other build some cottages as an investment and let other families live there that can help me homestead that? Let them live there free. If you've got the means, buy you 500 acres. Get, get some other families or Christian families or Catholic families or, or if you're Baptist, other Baptist families there. Make your own little school system right there. You know, and because it takes several families to take care of that, that homestead. And you all will benefit. That's your investment. A homestead and people and people that can work it. June, t July 25th, 2005. Therefore, make good use of the time of grace and devote to God more than ever up to now. August 19th, 1988. I would like this time to be a time of decision. Make a decision. Dear children, follow me, follow me. That's the message I was looking for. That's what we're supposed to do. We can't fix our thing. We can't even get ourselves out of the situation or our jobs. You have to start praying, live the commandments, and let God work it out. There's a fundamental principle I began to put in my life when I started following God and doing more prayer and following the messages that I don't have to have the solution I had to have the decision. A lady says, make a decision, dear children. Follow me, follow me. So I made a decision to follow her. The solution I didn't have. I didn't know how to navigate the way over here where I knew I'd like to go with my heart or have or, or, or be doing this or have land or whatever. I, I knew I couldn't get there, but I knew if I followed her, she's going to lead me on that path. She's a navigator. Her message is navigating me toward that and the community and Our Lady coming here and everything has blossomed from that. And the witness that all these called us be, she, she told me, 
She said be a witness. She told me personally that to be a witness. So in a simple way, I blindly followed her. And a lot of it wasn't good. A lot of it was destruction because those things I built in my life had to be destroyed. So in turn, she could reconstruct something else. And when she reconstructed, it was much better than I ever dreamed it could be. Although the torment of what I was losing and the destruction I had caused and changed my life didn't look promising at all. But I realized the decision is, is to do the right thing. Tomorrow when you wake up or tonight or whatever decision you make, think about what is the right decision, not the consequences. The consequences of a right decision will be disastrous often, and it's going to mean destruction or strife or misery for you. But always make the right decision. That's what you go by. Follow a lady, make the right decision. Don't weigh out the consequences because it's the right decision. The consequences may be bad for a short term, but long term will pay off in fruit. If you make a decision that's not quite right or compromised and it's not quite the right decision to make, but it's going to be more, more seemingly peace for you or a safer thing and less destruction in your life or even family or your business or whatever, that will produce long-term bad fruit. So don't worry about damages or consequences or things that you try to weigh out. Well, if I do this, I do that. Just make the right decision. That's all you got to do. And if you do that, God works out the details. You can't work out this economy. You can't fix this situation. You can't change anything. You can only wake up today and do what you're supposed to do with the messages. Anyway, November 2nd, 2006, your time is a short time. You know, preceding that, Will's Warrior Lady said, Do not shut your eyes before the truth, my children. Do, do I say to you tonight something that rings truth to you? Does it sound true? If it does, act on it. Motivate yourself and do what Elise says. Have hope. Let it flow into you. You should have tremendous hope that if you follow her, you make the right decision, you don't have to worry about nothing else. I was walking down years ago down the driveway to the field to pray the rosary, our daily rosary, and we had a lot of anxiety on us about this situation, this thing coming up, and the persecution, this, this. And, and it really hit me with such pristine clarity. Hey, I don't have to worry about this stuff. I don't have to be successful at this stuff. It doesn't depend on me. The only thing that depends on me is that I be successful at one thing, and that's prayer. God works out everything else from there. And I decided at that point, I want to be successful at prayer. That's what I want to be at. And everything else God takes care of. That's based on the principled message that's displayed principally in the, is pray fast, let God act. You know, most people pray fast. God wants you to do this. This is what I want you to act, God. You know, you're going to mess up. Give it to him. So our lady says, your time is short. June 2nd, 2007. Dear children, in this difficult time, our lady knows it's difficult. She knows it's hard. And she knows people are afraid. Here's a fresh message. September 7th, 2000, or I'm sorry, September 2nd, 2007. Dear children, in this time of God's, rather, in this time of God's signs, do not be afraid. What's the opposite side of that? Do not be afraid. Why would she tell us don't be afraid? This is just a year ago because there's going to be a lot of things to be afraid of. But if you make a commitment and you're motivated to just make the right decision, no matter if it's comfortable. And most of the time, I'm going to tell you, a right decision is not going to be comfortable when you're dealing with a spiritual life. It's just not going to happen that way. But 
it'll lead to a consolation and a grace that will give you hope that'll flow through you like like a river. I'm not afraid of the future. I'm not in fear. And, and if we lose everything in our way of life, then so be it. You know, because I know and trust in Our Lady. And there was times I had to make changes in my direction of my life that I that was very destructive. But I knew this is what I said to do. I knew follow her. I knew because she's truth. It can't end up in disaster. It just cannot happen. Even though it may look that way, even though Satan may make it turn out that way, it'll end up for the good. So as we approach Thanksgiving, let's look at the blessings we have. You know, Thanksgiving is around family. It's around the graces that God has given to us. And, and this usually starts in a relationship between a man and a woman and who has kids and they bloom out into family and eventually grandkids. And, and this makes things rich and people long for this today. People don't have family. This is what's wrong today is we're looking to a, a man with, with wanting him to be like a father figure, uh, almost idolatry. We're, we're seeking something because we don't have family now. You know, more more Christian marriages are divorcing than, than Christian marriages stand together. Way over 50% now. So the destruction of family and, and what is family, the redefinition of family. But Thanksgiving is something to bring us back to those roots, something that makes us whole. And, and you know, just a couple of gen, three generations back, you can think of what was life. And that's what we need to strive for. We need to go back to that with kids around, children around, friends around, love around. And so this is based on a love between man and woman, and it's based on what the Plymouth Pilgrims came for, is religious freedom to come and build their families and be family and be, be neighborly and to live that freely. And so it is a time this coming Thursday for blessings, and Our Lady has come to our nation, designated that day, a day of Thanksgiving, which is, which, is a, which is a signature she signs her messages, messages with every month. Thank you for responding to my call. After Mariana's messages, she says, thank you. Who are we that she thinks us? Who are we? So Our Lady has told us her coming is a blessing, a great blessing from God, and it does build around family, and that encompasses a single people. It encompasses every people on earth. Because what the human heart longs for is that blessing. I stand here looking up at the stars tonight. How can one man have so much in life? As I look around me, what a picture it paints I'm much more than lucky, I ought to give my thanks There's food on the table, a log on the fire And in my woman's eyes, there's love and desire The blessing Set from above all oh, the blessings A life full of love When I look around I can see All that's been given me So I lift my eyes up to the sky 
spiritual recovery of any nation depends on two things. First is that you be in repentance, and then the second thing is that no matter what your situation or how difficult it is, that you see the blessings and you thank God for it. The saints teach us that a grateful heart begets another favor. favor. And if you need favors from God, how can you expect that if you're not grateful for what he's given to you? You know, I used to tell my kids when they'd go to bed and I'd put them in bed at night and say say Thanksgiving prayers and they say, well, I don't have nothing to be thankful for. I said, you can walk. You got two arms. You know, there's plenty to be thankful for. You can see. So no matter what your situation or how difficult it is, you always got something that you're better off than the next person somewhere else. You can find somebody worse off and that person can find somebody worse off. So there's always a blessing. 
So it's important for us to experience spiritual recovery, which is 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 going to happen. What's going to take place for that to, to be accomplished, I think, is definitely connected to the secrets that's ultimately going to happen. But that said, uh, you know, what do we do as far as preparing for our, that we do special here for Advent or making it special for us? And ours is just more of a spirit of, you know, we've got a three-hour structure of prayer. We've got a rosary. There's so many joys happening with that. And and we we have selected songs that we listen to. And it's more of something that just... I remember in Medjugorje hearing Irish priests saying that all this preparation before Christmas, that in Ireland, he remembered as a boy, no Christmas lights, no Christmas trees. They'd go to midnight mass. And then coming back, everybody would have their zones, the Christmas trees be setting up, and they'd do it then. And just the feeling of Christmas was so powerful and so profound for them, and just the joy that brought. And when I first started going to Medjugorje, I remember going there like January 15th, January 20th, and, and everything's still set up. You know, because they had the epiphany and they have everything they're going through, and, and I think it goes all the way in January. In fact, uh, it, it, Easter was so short last year, right after they took the Christmas stuff, Easter, <laughs> Lent started. But I think we celebrate and we're driven by commercialism again, which is part of the economy, which is part of usury, which is part of the banking system, which goes on, et cetera, et cetera, that has placed Christmas so far in advance of, of and, and it's difficult for us not to be in that part of it because it's just the way culture is going. We 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 do stay stay with Christmas much longer afterwards. It's amazing to me. Always amazing to me. The Christian stations the day after Christmas play no play no more Christmas music. In fact, last year was the first time I've heard them pr- play music uh, for you know a few days afterwards, and that didn't last too long. But Christmas, Jesus was born. We we live in a culture which is driven by commercialism, which accepts the birth of Christ, but aborts him that night because the next day is over. Throw out everything, throw out the Christmas trees, everything's over, let's bring in the spring stuff. So, see, we've fallen into that trap. It's a diff- very difficult thing. Perhaps Black Friday is, is, the, uh, is the right, right term of that because it's darkness. So... Uh, it's funny how things can appropriately be named and, and identify something where sometimes people call it for some other positive reason, which I don't know what that might be, but I don't want to ramble on about that. But as far as our our Christmas, one of our greatest joys is, is December 11th and is our retreat for uh, December 8th to the, to the 12th. It's just... Uh, Cutting firewood, just the cold, being outside, the, the, the things we do is, is more of a spirit in the heart than actually just doing physical things. There's one song we always play every year that, that is the gift of Our Lady. And again, it surround, on, centers on relationship, but we, we apply this often to Our Lady because without her, we in the community have seen walking with her. Now I've been walking with Our Lady for 22 years, some in the community 20 years 15 years, 12 years, wherever they came along. But Our Lady, had she not found us, uh, we know that our hearts would have been broken apart. She's the gift. Uh, she's kept us from being broken. And she gave. she's given our love away. We're thankful for every day for this. And here at Thanksgiving is a special song we always play because she is the gift that God sends to us.
So try to imagine everything that confronts us in this day and time. And there was no June 24th, 1981. No decades, over two decades of apparitions of Our Lady every day. I would be afraid. I'd be deeply concerned. But Our Lady has spoken of herself as the gift that the Eternal Father has sent to the earth. His eternal love. And so fortunate are we, especially those who of us have 
for whatever reasons, God ordained it that we are privileged enough to have come to know the apparitions and look into what our lady's doing and know her in an intimate way and be wrapped in her loving arms and be part of her plan and to be able to work for her. And you're out there to be able to do the same thing. We are the hope of the world. Not because we have any power on ourselves. Our Lady herself says, I can do nothing. I must like I like you must pray. But through that prayer, God has a special plan for the conversion of the world. And we're living in one of the most glorious times outside of the time when Jesus Christ himself walked the earth. And you have that gift to be part of it. Where's your commitment level? Are you ready to raise it up? Are you ready to go stronger? Are you ready to change the direction of your life? You're being asked by the Queen of Heaven to do that. Maria's conveyed to me personally that the angels counted among the greatest moment of the state of being to be called on by Our Lady for a task. I'll say that again. The angels call it or, or look at it as one of the greatest moments of the state of being to be called upon Our Lady for a task. And she says, I am before you humbly in front of your free will, your decision. And she's telling us this decision time. You can't stay on the fence. You have to change those things in your life you know need changing. No matter how hard, no matter how difficult, no matter what you've got to do, You've got to want the change to change. Can't be flippant. Oh, I'll change. You have to want to pray more. She's asked for three hours of prayer when the visionaries objected, the prayer group objected. She says, even you don't understand. It's just four hours of prayer a day. That's hardly a sixth of your day. That's the definition of what a serious time is. And what kind of time we live in. But so comforting so much joy in the fact that we know we can be in her loving arms because God has sent the gift to us today. For us in the community here, these broadcasts, Radio Wave, are exciting for us. They're a conversion for us to be able to sit and to listen to these broadcasts produce conversion in our own hearts as well. And a beautiful epilogue to tonight's program would be the novena that begins today, the novena of love. And this is part of the seven novenas for the reconciling of ourselves, our families, and our nation back to God. And that novena begins today, and you can find that on the homepage of Medj.com. And if you have not done that novena today, don't go to bed tonight without doing that novena and reading the meditation that's before that novena that speaks about love and what Our Lady is asking of us in this time to conquer the world, as what Our Lady said in the messages that you will read tonight in that novena. So tonight, don't uh, let yourself go to bed without beginning this novena uh, for the reconciling of ourselves, our families, and our nation back to God. A special broadcast tomorrow night at 7 p.m. We will be broadcasting the Focus on the Family Radio Theater production the Legend of Squanto, of course, this is what we spoke about tonight here. Uh, it would be the antithesis, I suppose, of what 
uh, professor had, we spoke about the professor tonight. Mrs. Lowe, we'll make a special invitation for all you to contact her and invite her to tune in to this myth. And so with that being said, tomorrow night at 7 p.m. on Nedge.com's Radio Wave, you will be able to listen to that broadcast. Uh, so we ask that you gather your family and your friends. It's a show that you don't want to miss. And on Thanksgiving, it's become a tradition for us to listen to this on Thanksgiving night. And we're presenting this to you for tomorrow night. It's a, a joy for us to listen to Sesquanto. Uh, it's a, what, a 90-minute production? It's about 100 minutes, yeah. And uh, actually, Maria, we, she unexpectedly came in. We were together, and we actually actually flew in, I think it was two years ago, on, on Thanksgiving. And we all we all listen to it every Thanksgiving day uh, at our house. The whole community is down there, and, and it's a real joy. All we bring in speakers and everything, and it's a real joy to listen to this production. But you'll enjoy it. Call your family, get your family together, invite them over, and uh, make it a real treat. Get your log on the fire if you've got that. Not, maybe you can go rent one at the Home Depot or something. But uh, make it a, a cozy occasion. It's a beautiful story, and it uh, brings really the spirit of Thanksgiving alive for you. We have also a special intention that we're praying actually 8 to 5 every day on the hour, or rather 9 to 5, a 9-hour novena. If you could do that with us for the next days and, and weeks if necessary, we've got something that's very important that we're praying for, we're asking our lady to intercede for us for. Uh, we're very, in very serious prayer about, prayer about it. And uh, we need more prayers added to that because it's a, it's, a, it's a mountain that needs to be moved. And I won't go more into that. It's nothing negative. It's a very positive thing. But uh, if you could join us on the hour, set your alarms or remember that, or throughout the day or Holy Mass, Holy Communion, that the Caritas is special intention. Uh, you'll benefit from this. It's something very, very important, but it's a, a big, big thing that we need to have happen. And lastly... I know there's a lot of times across the country with snow and things like that. There's announcing school closings. And for all the Caritas kids out there listening tonight, I know they'll find that a great joy to know that school will be closed. So Our Lady Victory of School tomorrow, for all you kids out there in the community, it will be closed. So tonight we want to look forward to Thanksgiving with the joy and the, the love that we have for Our Lady and for you and the privilege we do have sitting here and be able to discuss the message coming into your homes. So tonight, with all our heart, we wish you Our Lady. We love you. Good night. <laughs>